Every human being exerts an influence. Now, you cannot prevent yourself from exerting an influence. The moment someone sees you, you are influencing that person for good or for bad. L.O.I. says, everyone who goes to heaven will have to take someone with him. There are no starless crowns in heaven. She also says, everyone who's lost will cause at least one other person to be lost. And so we must be conscious of the fact that by the lies we live, we either point people to heaven or we point them to hell. It's a very, very serious realization that if you make it to heaven, someone else will make it there because of you, whether you know it or not. And if you're lost, someone else will be lost because of you. Then we have to choose, Lord, by your grace, let me so live my life that someone will be saved because of me. Is that okay? All right. So welcome back. <clears throat> Before I begin, remember, if you, have, if you need your phone, you may leave it on, but don't put any sound. If you don't need it, and I much prefer you have one of these, then just turn it off, and uh, I'll be pleased. I only heard something go off once, I think it was yesterday, somewhere over this side. And I hope that person repented. Okay. The second fear if I ask is that you pray for me and you simply say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. And fear number three, think as you listen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Loving Father in heaven, we come to you, dear God, because we have no one else to go to who can do for us what you're willing and able to do. As we bow in your presence, dear God, if we've sinned against you, forgive us, we pray. Grant to us your grace. Grant to us your spirit. He is the spirit of truth, and one of his functions is to guide us into truth. Take possession of my mind as I humble myself before you. Speak through me clearly, dear God. Take all the glory. Grant us the blessings, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our subject for this afternoon Steps to Success. Just a summary of uh, all that we've talked about excellence. I just thought I'd give a general presentation. Steps to Success. Number one. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter one. We shall read verses four and five. Steps to Success. Step number one. Jeremiah chapter one, verses four and five. Jeremiah was called or is called the weeping prophet. His life was a difficult life. No one would listen to him. Serving God sometimes means having a hard life. No one knows that better than Jesus. His life was hard. The good life is coming, my young friends. The good life is coming. But right now we may have to suffer for Christ. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Question for you, what did God have in mind before he made Jeremiah? What did God have in mind before he made Jeremiah? He had what? Oh, Jeremiah will be a prophet, yes. Okay, that's true, that's true. But I want a word that will summarize that. What did God have in mind for Jeremiah before he gave him life? He had a, a purpose. Mm -hmm. A purpose. In other words, it's as if God, even before Jeremiah's mother met his father, or before Jeremiah's grandfather met his grandmother, or great-grandfather met a great-grandmother, God, sometime way back, looking down the stream of time, he says, I will need a man to talk to Jerusalem. I need someone to talk to Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Judah. That was the purpose. God begins with a purpose. Having identified the purpose in his mind, God's next step was, now who? 
Someone needs to talk to Jerusalem at this time in history. Who? I will give life to someone called Jeremiah. Which means the only reason Jeremiah was allowed to live, was put on the earth, was to be a prophet to the nations. God had a purpose, then he gave Jeremiah life. God always begins with a purpose. God does not make a man and then say, now what will I do with him? Christian Service, page 9, paragraph 3. A distinct work is assigned to every Christian. And God has that work clearly identified before you were born. Before Christ was born, here's what the angel said to Joseph. And she shall bring forth a son, that's future. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, future, for he shall. Before Christ came, his purpose, salvation. What am I saying to you? Step number one, have a purpose for your life. Don't just live and breathe. Get up and go to sleep. And eat and drink. Have a purpose. You must be able to say, this is why God put me on the earth. When you find that purpose, it makes all the difference in your life. So I say again, God gave Jeremiah, God had a purpose in his mind, then he made Jeremiah. God wanted a system of light for the, for the heavens, he made the sun, moon, and stars. Genesis 1 verse 14, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And to be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. Now he starts to make them. This is the purpose. I need sources of light. That's the purpose. How will I fulfill that purpose? I'll make a sun, moon, and stars. Question for you. Are you trying to find out what your purpose is for life? God wants you to know. In Manuscript Releases, Volume 14, page 205, paragraph 4, Elohite writes, To each human being, God has assigned an individuality and a distinct work. Now, we just read in Christian Service, page 9, paragraph 3, a distinct work is assigned to every Christian, assigned by God. The same writer, Elohite says, To each human being, God has assigned an individuality and a distinct work. What do you understand by God has assigned an individuality? What do you understand by that? If God has given to him, what's your name? Peter, an individuality. Joseph. And he's given Joseph an individuality. What does that tell you about Peter and Joseph? He has an individuality from God. He has an individuality from God. What does that tell you about the two of them? They are? They're what? Don't be afraid. They are different. Which means you should not waste your time trying to be like somebody else. God wants you to be like you. Now, we must try to be like Jesus in character. But even though we're just like Jesus in character, we're still different in the way we do what we do. God is a God of individual difference. Step number one, steps to success. Have a clearly identified purpose for why you are alive. And make it your business to find that purpose. Because when you find it, that's when you begin to live a fulfilling life in the eyes of God. And so you must combine two things in order to enjoy success. One, purpose. Two, existence. When your existence or your life is the fulfillment of your purpose, that's when you find happiness. Because you're living in the path God has designed for you before you were born. So as you study medical missionary work, as you study maritime management, as you study nursing, as you study music, as you study accounting, remember, God has a specific path for every human being. 
Listen to this remarkable quotation from Ellen White. The Desire of Ages, page 20, paragraph 2. <clears throat> there is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground, but ministers to some other life. There is no leaf of the forest or lowly blade of grass, but has its ministry. Now, this is remarkable. She's saying every leaf has a purpose. <laughs> every blade of grass, and they all look alike. Each has a purpose. You have a specific purpose. So the first step, have a purpose. <clears throat> That's how God works. Step number two. Have specific things you do from day to day. Don't just wake up and say, now what will I do today? I'm alive. If you function like that, the devil will find things for you to do. Let's go to Genesis 1. We shall read from verse 1, or verse 3. Our subject, Steps to Success. Genesis 1, reading verse 3, or from verse 3. <clears throat> the Bible says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. What did God make on the first day? Light. What else? Light. That was his work for the first day. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. What did God make on the first day? What did he make on the second day? The firmament. Mm -hmm. Verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. He separated dry land from the seas on the third day. Also on the third day, verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And verse 12 says, and the earth brought forth grass. Light on the first day, firmament on the second day, dry land, vegetation on the third day. Fourth day, verse uh, 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, sun, moon, stars. Fifth day, verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven, fishes and birds. On each day, God did something specific. There is a saying, you may have heard it, Rome was not built in a day. Have you ever heard that? In other words, take your time, do a little every day. God functions that way. The universe was not created in a day. Let me ask you this. Could God have made everything in one day? Yes. But he chose to stretch it out. As an example to us. First day. Second day. Third day. Fourth day. Fifth day. Sixth day. Seventh day rest. And on that sixth day he said, let's make man in our image. The image of God is not just his character. It's also how he works. And God does not do everything at the same time. Some today, some tomorrow, some the day after. And that's how we should work. And so step number one, steps to success, have specific things that you do. My duties today, speak four times. In between, go through the verses, go through the quotations, prepare myself. Those were my functions for today. Of course, morning, pray to God, commit myself to Him, spend time in His Word, spend time praying. Specific activities. 
No time to waste. You see, time is life. Let me explain that. <clears throat> I started speaking at about a quarter to three. Let's say you became here at quarter to three, so you've been here about 12 minutes. You can say you have spent 12 minutes, or you can say you have lived 12 minutes in this room. Time is life now. You can also say you have wasted 12 minutes, or you can say you have wasted 12 minutes of life. Because you've lived from a quarter to two to now three minutes to three. You've lived. So time is just a word that measures pieces of life. So when you waste time, what are you wasting? Life. I'll never forget when I was a, a counselor at the University of Michigan Medical School, a young man came to me from the undergraduate campus. He said, Mr. Skeet, I want to be a doctor. So we sat down in my office and I said, let's examine how you use your time. And so I just pulled out a simple sheet, seven columns for seven days, 24 bars for 24 hours. Let's fill in what you do. Monday, classes, we filled it in. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five, the classes. Then we filled in the spaces where he studied. We filled in the spaces where he slept and the spaces where he did nothing. When we counted up the hours of doing nothing, he was wasting three days a week. Just doing nothing. So I said, you want to be a what? A doctor? And you're wasting, and he was shocked. When he looked at the paper, he was wasting three days a week, total. Say that differently, he was wasting three days of life. My brothers and sisters, regardless of your age, know what you're doing from day to day. Live a purposeful life. Steps to success, step number one, what's that? Have a what? A purpose, yes. Step number two, what's that? Have specific things you do from day to day, yes. Have some control of your life under God's supervision, of course. Step number three, do them, the specific things, when they're supposed to be done. Let's go back to God's working style. Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God made light on the first day. Verse 5 says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. That ended that day. The second day, he made the firmament. That ends with, and the evening and the morning were the second day. When he separated dry land from water, made vegetation. It ends the evening and the morning with the third day, in verse 13. He made the sun, moon, and stars on day four. Verse 19 ends the evening and the morning with the fourth day. The end of the fifth day, the evening and the morning with the fifth day. God, having finished his work on the first day, when he got to the second day, he did not say, oh my, I forgot. There's something I should have done on the first day. Or when he got to day number five, he said, oh, 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 I forgot to do something to the moon. I need to go back to day three. No one can go back to day three who's sitting on day four. In other words, God did Monday's work on what day? Monday. God did Sunday's work on what day? Sunday. He did what needed to be done when it needed to be done. So God not only had a purpose, he not only had specific activities, he did them when they were supposed to be done. Not before, not after. And so Jesus could say, or the Bible could say of Christ, in Mark 1, 14, 15, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He said, The time, it's now time. Who's that who spoke about that? Was it Pastor Ramden or Pastor Sliger? Pastor Ramden. My hour is not yet come, but then my hour is come. Have a purpose. Have specific things you do 
Also know why you do them. Do them when they're supposed to be done. Let's go through the formula. Sunday's work when? Tell me. Monday's work when? Come on. Tuesday's work when? Wednesday's work when? Thursday's work when? Friday's work when? Saturday's work when? No, you rest on Saturday. There's no work on Sabbath. You're Adventist. Are you with me? I won't tell your pastor, so don't worry. Do you have things you need to do today? Do them today. Don't leave them for tomorrow. What's that practice called? Procrastinate. God does not procrastinate. There's a saying, procrastination is the thief of time. God does not put off on Thursday what should be done on Wednesday. Is that clear? If it is, say amen. We must function the same way. If there's something you need to do today, do it. You know why we put things off? It is an act of several things. An act of folly or stupidity. It's also an act of arrogance. Let me explain the arrogance. Today's what? Monday. Let us say there's something you needed to do today, but you say, I'll do it on Thursday. What are you assuming? What are you assuming? Now, today's Monday. There's something you need to do. Let's say wash your clothes, brush your teeth, or shine your shoes. You've decided, I'll do this on Thursday. But what day is it today? Monday. What are you assuming? Say that again. What? That you'll be alive on Thursday? Are you following me? You have decided, I will be alive on Thursday. That is arrogance. The only certainty you have is that you're alive now. We put things off because we assume I'll be alive on Thursday no matter what God says. We put things off for years. You do not know if you'll be alive on Thursday. You don't know if you'll be alive five minutes from now. I hope you are. It's a serious matter. We cannot live arrogant lives. I have decided I will be alive on Thursday. The people who got on Air Asia, that plane was missing. They were fully intending to land. And I speak with great seriousness because I have to be on Air Asia in a couple of days. <laughs> we don't know where they are. Now, things happen to good people. My brothers and sisters, if you have something to do today, do it. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. You have no guarantee of tonight. You have little children. Raise them properly now. Don't wait until they're 17 because you have already lost the battle. You wait until they're teenagers. The world has already instructed them. Now you're trying to undo what the world has done. You will not do it now when they're small. Actually, NOI says you should do it from the womb. You want to go to college? Go now. Not when you have three children and a husband and housework, parents to look after. Go now when you have no children, no husband, no burdens. Do it now. Step number one to success. What is that? Someone on this side. Have a purpose. Step number two, that side. What? Specific things you do. Step number three, anyone? Do things when they're supposed to be done. All right. Step number four. Let's go back to the Bible. Genesis 1. Let's read from verse 3 again. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Now let's pause. God saw the light. Are we talking about God's vision? Before God said, let there be light, do you think he had some idea in mind what light would, be look, would look like? Mm -hmm. God has light in his mind. He wants light outside of his mind. And he says, let there be light. When the light comes, what does God do? 
he begins, he begins to compare. What is he comparing? What he had in mind and what? Yes, what came. What did he see? They're the same. Then what does he say? That's good. Are you listening to me? Somebody say yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say somebody shout. I said somebody say yes. God said, let there be light. He had something in mind. So when he said, let there be light, and the light came, what in his mind was what came? God said, that's good. Now, when God gave you life, he had something in mind for you. Are you listening to me? Now, he's looking at what he had in mind for your life. He's looking at what you're doing. That's not good. I did not have drugs in mind. I did not have premarital sex in mind. I did not have running around with men and women in mind. That's not good. When what's in mind does not match what is outside, that's not good. Mm -mm, says God, that's not why I gave her life or him. When we walk according to God's purpose, God, ah, that's good, that's good. That's what I had in mind. That's what's happening. That's good. And so God saw the light. It was good. What action is that? What is God carrying out? What action? Give me a word. He is what? When he looks at what came and compares it with what he had in mind, what is he doing? He is evaluating. Thank you for showing off. Evaluating. Huh? He's evaluating. Give me another word for evaluating. He is, he is judging. All right, give me another word. It begins with A-S-S-E-S-S-I-N-G. How many clues? He is assessing. Are you from Sabah? That's where noisy people are from. Yeah, he is, he is assessing. Noisy and nice. Now, what am I saying to you? We must be like God. From time to time, you must step back and assess. What am I doing? For instance, you, let's say you're in college. You want to go to medical school. You're going to college first, as it is in the United States. And you failed biology. You failed chemistry. You failed physics. You failed anatomy. But I want to be a doctor. You fail everything. You're in the second year of college. Now, at some point, you should have stepped back. What do you have in mind? What do you have in mind? Doctor. Should a doctor know anatomy? Answer me. All right. Should a doctor know some chemistry? So you have doctor in mind, but you look at your grade report, you see chemistry C. Doctor. <laughs> Biology F. Doctor. <laughs> Physics H. <laughs> it's just going down. Then you say, wait a minute, maybe I need to do something else. Maybe I need to be, you know, a gardener or something. Or a, a carpenter. Something else. Not a doctor. So you evaluate. You know. Let's say you decide, look, I need to lose weight. I'm going to the gym. And you go to the gym three months. You go to the gym, you're wearing, first day you went to the gym, you're weighing 350 pounds. And you're five feet tall. <laughs> Six weeks later, you weigh 370 pounds. You say, wait a minute. You went to the gym to lose weight. The first day at the gym, you were 350. Six weeks later, you were 370. Why didn't you, pop, didn't you get on the scale every day? Stop and ask yourself, what am I doing? You started a relationship with a young man. Hmm? Prior to the relationship, you were Wednesday night prayer meeting, Friday night prayer meeting, early for Sabbath school. You taught a Sabbath school class. You're in the front row for the midday service. You know, you go door to door sometimes. With, yeah. You did all that. Now you've been with this guy six months now. You've only been to prayer meeting three times. You're late for church. You haven't knocked on the door since the Second World War. And you, you, said, you said, wait, wait a minute. This relationship is dangerous and harmful. Because I am doing what? Declining. 
examine, assess, evaluate. What am I doing? Am I moving towards my goal or am I moving in the wrong direction? The Bible says, and God saw. First day he saw. He gave, I saw. He saw. He saw. He evaluated. He assessed. Is this what I had in mind? Step number one. What is it? Have a purpose. What kind of purpose? A clear purpose. Step number two. Specific things you do. Step number three. Do them when they're supposed to be done. Do Monday's work. Monday, Tuesday's work, Tuesday, and so on. Rest on Sabbath. Four. What's that? Evaluate what you're doing. Let every man examine himself. Somewhere in 2 Corinthians, I think 13 says that. Do that regularly. All right. Step number five. This one will give you a lot of trouble. It gives a lot of trouble in Africa. It gives a lot of trouble in Malaysia. It gives trouble in the Philippines. It causes problems in Indonesia. Keep time. Not rubber time. Not stretchable time. Keep time. What do I mean by that? Four o'clock is four o'clock. Five o'clock is five o'clock. Five o'clock is not five-ish. As we say in the United States, you know, five-ish. When will you be there? Five-ish. Yeah. God is not a, a ishy God. Five is five. Four is for as much as possible. You may get caught in traffic. Yes, we know that. The bridge may collapse. You can't cross it. Yes. An earthquake may come and take you away. Yes, we know that. Does God keep time? Let's take a look. Let's go to Genesis 17. Genesis 17. We'll read verse 21 of Genesis 17. Our presentation, Steps to Success. You have Genesis 17. Verse 21. Read it out loud. What does that verse say? But my covenant will I do what? Establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear unto thee. Bear unto thee when? At the set time. When? In the next year. At this set time. What do you understand by this set time? Does it sound general or specific? Specific. Keep in mind the expression set time, specific. Now, go to Genesis 21. Genesis 21, we shall read verses 1 and 2. Our topic for today, steps to success. We've looked at step 1, 2, 3, 4. We're looking at 5, which is keep time. We're trying to determine if God is a God who keeps time. We're allowing the Bible to inform us. Genesis 21, reading from verse 1. Read with me nice and loud. And the Lord did what? Visited Sarah how? As he had said. Keep reading. And what? The Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Keep reading. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. Finish the verse. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. Does God keep time? Yes. Go to Daniel chapter 9. You read verse 26, I believe it is. Daniel 9, verse 26. Do you have that? Read out nice and loud. What does the verse say? Daniel 9, 20, 26, what is that? Read 27. No, no, wrong verse. Where does it say, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the... Okay, Daniel 9, 25. Read that now. What does it say? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the... To rebuild and to restore Jerusalem 
shall be what? Unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and sixty and two weeks. How many weeks is that? Sixty-nine. Beginning 457, that takes you to A.D. 27. Unto Messiah the Prince. That's when Christ was baptized. He was anointed, began his ministry. Listen to Jesus now in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Let's go there. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Mark, the second gospel, shortest gospel, frequently uses the word immediately or straight away. So it's a, it's a fast-paced gospel. Things happen, bam, 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 in the book of Mark. Mark 1, 14, 15, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee doing what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying what? The time is fulfilled. He was referring to what Daniel 9.25 would say. This is the time for me to come out and begin my public ministry. The time has come, precisely. Go to Galatians chapter 4, reading verse 4. Our subject, Steps to Success. Galatians 4, verse 4. Do you have that? All right, are we ready? Read with me. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. When did he send his son? Fullness of time. In other words, Christ began his ministry. God instructed him to begin the public ministry when the fullness of time had come. Both his birth and his public ministry. God is a God of specific timekeeping. Go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. <clears throat> we read from verse 13. This is God speaking to Abram in a dream or a vision. Genesis 15, reading from verse 13. What does that say? Read nice and loud. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that I see it shall be strange in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them how long? 400 years. Now you'll also see 430. There's an explanation for that, but we won't get into that. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Verse 15, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Now read verse 16 out loud. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God is saying, after 400 years, your seed, your descendants, will come back into this land. Go to uh, Exodus 12. Let's read verse 41. Now you'll see 430 in that verse. There's an explanation, but we don't need to get into it. Exodus 12, let's read verse 41. Do you have that? All right. Read that nice and slow. Start reading. What does it say? And it came to pass. Mm -hmm. End of the what? 430 years. We can explain that. Even the self same day. Stop. What do you understand by it? Now, this is a long time, 400 years or 430. It's a long time. But the verse says, even the self same day. In other words, on the exact day that 400 years fell, as God had said in chapter 15 of Genesis, what happened? All the hosts? Yes, went up from Egypt. Now, if God had missed a day after 400 years, anyone would understand that. But the Bible is so specific. Even the self-same day. God keeps time. You know, when you respect time, you become reliable. Do you understand me? Let's say you're hired by a company. You're supposed to work from 8 to 4. The first day you show up at 8.15. Next day, 8.10. Next day, 8.20. Then 8.05. Then 8.26. Then 8.17. Can people count on you to be there on time? Are you lying by saying you'll be there at 8? 
And you never are. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't mean any harm, but you are. Because you say one thing, you do something else. That's a lie. How many of you work? Oh, good. Do you get paid every week or every month? Month. A specific time of the month? Let's say the last Friday in every month. Let's say that, okay? What are you expecting the last Friday of this month? Your money. Are you with me? You want your boss telling you, I don't have it now, you'll get it tomorrow? And you've already spent it, even though you haven't gotten it yet? Are you following me? If the agreement is, I get paid the last Friday of every month, when that Friday comes, what are you doing? Give me my money. <laughs> we understand what being on time is. When it affects us. My brothers and sisters, someone told me years ago in Malaysia, there's something called rubber time or elastic time or some sort of time that stretches because you have a history of rubber plantations. God is not a God of rubber time. Are you following me? God is a God of hard time. Four o'clock is four o'clock. Five o'clock is five o'clock as far as you can because we're human beings. We're not perfect. Steps to success. Step number one. Have a what kind of purpose? A clear purpose. Step number two. Specific things you do. Step number three. Do them when they're supposed to be done. Step number four. Do what? Evaluate what you're doing. Step number five. Keep time. Now step number six. Go to Ecclesiastes 9. <coughs> Before you go to Ecclesiastes 9, on the point of doing things when they're supposed to be done, which is uh, number three, Jesus told his mother in John chapter 2, verse 4, when she said they have no wine. What did he tell his mother? Mine hour is not yet come. Because Christ did things at the right time. Mm hmm I want you to adopt that attitude. Mine hour is not yet come. Say that with me. Mine hour is not yet come. Stop. You're 17, 18, whatever you are. You're single. Your hour has not come to have children. Are you with me? Your hour has not yet come. You're a young man. You're 17, 18. You have no job. You live in your father's garage. You, uh, you have no house. Don't go looking for a wife. Why? Why? Your hour has not yet come. If we would do things when they're supposed to be done, we would avoid a world of trouble. Remember the words of Jesus? My hour is not yet come. 14, you want to run away from home and live with your friends? My hour is not yet come. All right. We're looking at step number six, which is found in Ecclesiastes 9. Let's go there. Someone read verse 10. I talked about that when we talked about excellence yesterday. <clears throat> Let's read that verse. Who has it? Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. How are we called upon to work? With our what does that mean? Do your best. Here's what happens when you really do your best. Go to Proverbs 12, 29, 22, sorry. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Here's what comes to a person who is, does his best or her best. Consistently. Not once in a while. You have Proverbs 22? Find verse 29. Verse 29 of Proverbs 22. <laughs> my fault, sister, my fault. Do we have that? Let's read together. 
Seest thou a man diligent in his business? Stop. Not just any man. What kind of man? What does that mean? Give me some words there for diligent. Hardworking. Give me another one. Consistent. Come on. Hmm? What? Responsible, of course. Don't be shy. Who? Diligent. Okay, we want words for diligent. He's hardworking. He's responsible. He's faithful. He's consistent. He's reliable. The Bible says, when you see someone work like that, what is the outcome? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. In other words, hard work, excellent work, diligent work will take you this way. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. My young friends, hard work is biblically required. Overwork is a sin. Hard work is a blessing. What did I say? Overwork is a sin. Hard work is a blessing. The Bible says in six days God made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Exodus 31 verse 17. He was refreshed because God worked hard. And so step number six, work hard. Work with all your might. Put everything you have into everything so that excellence becomes a distinguishing feature of your work. So that Seventh-day Adventists may have a reputation in Malaysia as being the best employees. Let me tell you something. We should have a reputation such that businesses will always try to hire Adventists. Because they don't steal. There's There's a friend of mine in Kenya... She worked for a company as a sales lady. She would travel the country, you know, selling the products, bringing in the money. She was very honest. Other salespeople would steal the money, sell the products, keep the money, but she was honest. And uh, the company realized she was doing well, she was bringing in money, she wasn't stealing. Then she, she decided to resign. Something happened, she wanted to resign. And they said no. <laughs> they said no. You can't resign. She said, I'm going to resign. So they set up a date to talk to her, and every high-ranking CEO flew into <laughs> Kenya to Mombasa, wherever she was, to meet with her. And she didn't know where she walked in. She saw these high rank, and she was just intimidated. They came to tell her, you cannot resign. Now, they couldn't force her, but you understand what I'm saying. They said, do you need an increase in salary? They promised to buy a house she can live in. You cannot resign. Why were they like that? Because she was honest, hardworking producers. And they saw that, and they realized she was a rare and unusual employee. They also said to her, can you recommend other people from your church? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been counseling that lady for five years. I've only seen her once. (laughs) All by email and WhatsApp. Five years I've been counseling her. I've only seen her once. But I want you to understand, those company officials did not care what the color of her skin was. All they knew is she was reliable, hardworking, honest, and they would not let her resign. I mean, she finally did resign, but... They promised to buy a house so she can live in it. You want more money, we'll increase your salary. She says, no, I don't want more money. I don't want a house. I just want to resign. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Hmm? When everyone comes to tell you you cannot resign, thou shalt not resign. Because you're so hardworking and so honest, and we have never seen this. Hmm? We've never seen this. What am I saying? That's the way Adventists should be. We should have a reputation in Malaysia for work that is so good, so reliable, and every company wants Adventists. Are there any Adventist accountants you can recommend? Yes, get an Adventist. Get an Adventist. Why? They are trustworthy. Steps of success number one. What's that? What kind of purpose? Clear. So you're not confused. Step number two, specific things you do day by day. Step number three, 
You do them when they're supposed to be done. Step number four. You do what? Evaluate regularly. Step number five. Keep time. Step number six. Work diligently. Work hard. Remember Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand where? Before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. The final step for success. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Read verse 31. It wraps up everything in one. And if you only decided to follow one step, that's the one you follow. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Are you ready? You can read it from your mind. You know it. What does it say? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, whatever you choose to do, think of God first. Whatever work you do, think of God. Regard God as your employer your ultimate employer, working through the earthly employer. When you dress for work, think of God. When you interact with your colleagues on the job, think of God. When you have to be disciplined or you have to address some, some grievance, think of God. So at every step, your first concern is not you. Or building a reputation, trying to move up the ladder, that will come. Your first concern is always the glory of God. God, I will not make God look bad by being late. I will not make God look bad by cutting corners. I will not cause people to throw dirt on the name of God because I am sloppy in my reports. Do you realize it is only the Christian that can give God a bad name? The unbeliever can't do it. You know why? Because the unbeliever does not believe in God. But those of us who believe in God, and then we live like the devil, we give God a bad name. Go to Romans chapter 2. Romans 2. Right after we talk. Romans 2. Verse 24. I think it's 24. What does that say? For the name of God, keep reading, is blasphemed among the heathen. Why? The Gentiles are the heathen. Why? How? Through whom? You, as it is written. Who is the you? The Jews. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. How? Through you. In other words, it is the Christian that gives God a bad name, not the unbeliever. So when I say I'm a Christian and I steal, I'm a Christian, I lie, I'm a Christian always late, I am giving Christianity and Christ a bad name. On the issue of bad name, then I'll finish. Go to Genesis 12 and 11. Let's start with 11. Of Genesis chapter 11, we'll read verse 4. Let's leave for verse 1 of Genesis 11. Do you have that? If you have it, say amen. And the whole earth was in one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. Now read verse 4 with me. And they said, go to, let us what? Build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Finish the verse. And let us do what? Make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. We will make our name. Now go to Genesis 12, the very next chapter. Let's read from verse 1. 
Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now read verse 2 with me. Read nice and loud. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. What does the next statement say? And do what? Make thy name great. Now, we have two makings of names. Hmm? In verse 4 of Genesis 11, who makes the name? Who makes the name? The builders of Babel are making their own name. Those are the sinners. In chapter 12, verse 2, who makes the name? God makes the name for Abraham. What does that tell us? Here's the principle. Here's how it works. Here's God. Here are you. Your duty is to make a name for God by the way you live. God's side of the bargain is to make a name for you. Do you understand? Are you sure? Some people, they set out to make their own name. I want to be a famous doctor. Not I want to be a Christian doctor. I want to be a famous, no, I want to make a name so people recognize me. Wrong ambition. Anytime you set out to make your own name, you come into conflict with God. Because God said, no, I will make your name. You be busy making my name. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody answer me. Never set out to be famous and to build a name. Set out to build God's name by your faithfulness. And God will make your name. Never, ever forget. Never set out to be famous. Set out to be faithful and God will make your name. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Let's review Step number one, have a purpose. What kind? Step number two, specific things you do. Step number three, do them when they're supposed to be done. Step number four, evaluate what you're doing. You may need to make some changes. Step number five, keep time. Be on, try. Step number six. Do the best you can. Work with all your might. Give it your best. Step number seven. Do it for the glory of God. Everything. Your whole life and mine must be for the glory of God. And that must operate seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. There is no time when you can work for your own glory. It is always, finish my words, for the glory of God. Listen to Jesus in John 8, 29. Let's go there, then I close. I'll finish. John 8, 29. Do we have that? Read with me. He that have sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Finish the verse. For I do always what? The things that please him. The life of Christ was devoted to the glory of the Father. He said, I do always the things that please him. You and I must live like that. When you go to dress, I dress to please God. When you go to eat, I eat to, this is literal, I eat to please God. When you go to play, I play to please God. When you choose a companion, I choose to please God. When you decide on a career, I choose to please God. The Bible says, Jesus said, and he cannot lie, I do always. That's literal, not symbolic. The things that please him. What this means is, among other things, Jesus never acted from a selfish motive. Never. He may have felt a selfish motive. He may have had a selfish motive, but he never acted on a selfish motive because he said, everything I do, I do to please him. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you for the very high standard you've set for your people. 
That standard operates, dear God, from the time we are born. It applies to the five-year-old. Then surely it applies to the 18-year-old and the 20 and the 50. There is no escape for the true Christian from your demand that we do our best and we seek to please you in everything we do. Please, dear God, help us to change our thinking and to say like Jesus, I do always the things that please him. Bless us, dear God, continue to watch over us. Let every remaining aspect of this conference be a blessing to us and bring glory to your name. I pray from my heart in Jesus' name and for his sake, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.